Hey guys, this is Christopher Stacer, and this is Vital Revival Episode 4. I thought it would be really fun to actually have a chance to have a get-to-know-your-host day because um, we haven't done that yet, and I haven't told my story. Um, just getting launched with the Vital Revival Project, it only happened about six, seven weeks ago or so as an idea. I've wanted a podcast for quite a while, actually, for um, a variety of interests and topics, and it all kind of came together in one of those um, inspirational moments that we get in our lives on a Saturday morning, and took about 10 minutes to discover the name, uh, Vitality, and um, the idea of Vitality has probably been the number one core word in my life for at least the last decade. So I knew that that word was really important to me. And also, I'm really excited about, you know, I'm almost 44 coming up in June, and I'm really excited about the idea that there is hope for people in their 40s and beyond, and at any age, to actually revitalize themselves. And hence, Vital Revival came into being. And my hope is to share my journey and to look at the journey of, of people's lives. And that's why we have the guests that we do. Obviously, Kayani has um, a big component to my life, and I'll get into that. And um, essentially, it's the sponsor of the show. It's the one um, component to the, to the business and how I work Kayani that um, I'm excited to share with folks. But um, I w- would like to kind of theme this as I was thinking about what, what, what we call this thematically, and it really comes down to the word curiosity and experiments. So I have been experimenting for quite a long time in health and nutrition, and I think I'm not alone. I think that's probably the case with a lot of people, a lot of people of my generation. And I think one of the interesting things is to kind of trace um, the themes going back. So just to kind of give you a little background, um, which I mentioned with Leah, I, I have suffered with um, hay fever, one, and then two, severe stomach pains over the years. In fact, I had severe constipation when I was about seven or eight years old, and I ended up in the hospital emergency room for a day, day and a half. And they sent me home with the parents, and they said, you got to feed your kid more fiber. I was like, okay. So... Um, That was interesting because, you know, I grew up as a kid in the 70s eating all of those processed carbohydrates, white bread, macaroni and cheese, like everybody else, and ate very little fruit and vegetables. And I had a lot of problems with digestion as a a kid. And I'm sure I'm not alone if we were to go out and survey a lot of people. And, you know, had my typical allergic reactions to different things over the years. Um, we called it hay fever. I mostly got it in the fall, and uh, it would be pretty bad. And um, since um, that point, I remember going into high school and when they were harvesting hay in the summer and uh, riding horses, there's always been um, allergic reactions to horses and then later to cats. So just a little bit of background. Um, I, I think I am you know, grew up in a very normal um, best of intentions kind of family with my parents. They just didn't know any better. So, so I wanted to share 
a crazy idea I experimented with when I was in high school. And that was, um, I read this book on um, fruititarianism, of all things, and the idea that if you're really evolved, um, like all these great Indian gurus at the time I was reading were, you don't almost need to eat food, you just live off oxygen. Isn't that wonderful? And maybe the way you get to that is you um, eat fruit uh, only. That's the way you get there. So there was a, a phase in my life reading, I think it was Linda Goodman's um, Star Signs book. Um, she had a fruitarian diet in there. And um, I dabbled with that in the wintertime, which is probably a rough time to do any kind of experiment like that. Anyway, and I ended up having an, a severe respiratory infection that pretty much didn't go away for six or eight weeks, I recall. And I was, again, about 15, 16 years old at that time. And um, so, okay, so we experiment, something doesn't work. Okay, interesting. Uh, then, you know, I, I pretty much had no identity around food uh, until maybe my 20s, early 20s, when veganism became... Uh, a very trendy conversation, especially in Salt Lake City, Utah, of all places. It's actually, I believe, has the highest number of vegan restaurants per capita in the United States to this day. And so veganism got a certain kind of trend happening here in Salt Lake City. And um, one of my closest friends became an, an outspoken vegan um, advocate at that time. Um, and he was a lecturer and, you know, had all the great materials on uh, um, the ways that we are environmentally impacting the planet due specifically to, to cattle raising, amongst other issues, water and other things of the sort. And, you know, as a young, conscious, with a conscience kind of character that I, that I had, it made a lot of sense to me. And I made a decision overnight to become a vegan. So it was very exciting to go shopping for my very first time after my overnight decision on a Saturday and run over to the local grocery store and spend a bunch of my own money on my own foods, really not knowing or having any grounding in, in what I should be eating at all. Um, you know, just kind of told, here's some good ideas, go with it. And I basically experimented with that diet for, it wasn't even two months uh, before, again, I got really sick um, with an, another one of those long respiratory effect, infections. And this was in the fall, I believe, at the time when I got sick. So there we go. Another experiment. Um, interesting. And so um, moving along to after I finished college, I ended up in Boston and getting married actually really quickly. I was um, not even 24 when I got married. And I was working at a, a very interesting bookstore. And a few provocative ideas actually happened at this bookstore. So I'm really grateful for that and also the friends, including the owner whom I'm still friends with. And um, But this bookstore was in Cambridge, Massachusetts in Harvard Square. And well, just to go back a little bit, the first day I walked into the bookstore I, with my lunch, I asked where the microwave oven was, and they said, what are you talking about, microwave oven? And that was one of the most provocative pieces of um, information I think I'd ever gotten up to that point around health. 
that someone would question the use of a microwave adamantly. And I was like, wow, well, that's interesting. I wonder what the problem was microwave because that's how I grew up. And um, that, that was the bookstore when um, I was just getting married. The owner said, well, why don't you pick a book out that you'd like? Um, and I've thought about that quite a bit, and it took me a few weeks. And I finally picked um, a book on natural cooking um, and healing with whole foods. It's actually called Healing with Whole Foods. So that was interesting that that was the book that I picked, and I could have picked you know, any of these hundreds and hundreds of books. At that point, I um, kind of you know thumbed through the book and started to get some new ideas. One of the people I was working with there had actually spent time with one of the people who had created, I believe, the Moose Jaw Cookbook, and you know related kinds of ideas. So, and she was telling me a little bit about how she was eating at the time, and she was vegetarian, coming from Salt Lake City, Utah, at that time, even though I dabbled with veganism, um, vegetarian was still, you know, wasn't something you encountered a lot. And so it was interesting to hear what her philosophy was around food. And um, she ate a lot of um, oatmeal, like for for, um, oatmeal for breakfast and things like that. And of course, I grew up as a kid making um, either oatmeal or um, cold cereals pretty much as the number one breakfast source. There was no such thing as eggs for breakfast, really, except on rare occasions um, as I grew up. And I think that's probably the case with a lot of Americans. So um, here we are in Boston with this new book. And as I got into it, it had a little bit about Chinese um, philosophy of eating, for one, and, um, you know, the hot and cold foods. And, um, but the thing that I think that provoked me to start dabbling was well, it was it was a straight vegan um, cookbook. So, so there was a, a bread recipe, and we made our own homemade um, sourdough starter. And so it was really provocative to read. Oh wow! Well, maybe yeast, commercial yeast, isn't actually very good for you. And traditionally, bread's made this way. And so you know, we made our homemade starters and had that very, uh, if you've done it yourself, that very. Um, Hard, almost hard as a rock bread without any <laughs> yeast and you know got used to it a little bit and you know sometimes it would, it would be better than others but we we did our best and had our own homemade starter for quite a while so that that was like early experiments with health and nutrition but you know I was pretty much eating you know a lot of Asian food a lot of rice uh, with rice and vegetables and you know mixing up meats of, of different sorts so you know, didn't do much or think about much until, again, uh, I encountered veganism. In, and this would be, you know, just 26 years old or so. And um, my first son is, was already born uh, when I was 25. So our second son was about when I was 28 years old, 27, 28. That's when he was born. And we... For some crazy reason, we decided to go vegan during the pregnancy, like the last three or four months of the pregnancy. And um, But I'd had my friend over, and this is the same owner of the bookstore in Cambridge. He had come over and left some materials at our house as he was traveling. And he had one magazine um, that was out that 
was one of those alternative, almost conspiracy theory kinds of crazy magazine with all kinds of unusual articles. And so it was just sitting around the house, and I started to thumb through it, and it was there was an article written by Sally Fallon. And if you don't know who that is, she founded an organization called the Price Pottinger or Weston A. Price, I should say Weston A. Price Foundation. Price Pottinger is, um, is actually a related organization. And um, so here I was thumbing through this, being a vegan and feeling really proud about it. And essentially what, what got me to veganism again um, was really just the expression of like, okay, it's ethically the most important way to live. And so this is John Robbins. So John Robbins published a book, which I had read in my early 20s, and a friend of mine who was vegan gave it to me. And that's a very provocative book, especially when you look at factory farming. And so when I look back, also in my early 20s, I started to get a little more, at least advocate for uh, free-range chickens, uh, because it just made no sense that chickens would be all caged up the way they were. So that was my one of my little pieces of activism at the time. So here I am being an ethically driven uh, vegan because we already had a, an interest in Buddhism, an interest in, um, you know, essentially the rights of all, of all beings, which is something, or not necessarily rights, but we might call them um, the honoring of all beings and it's something that Buddhism really inspires. So um, here we are uh, with getting near the birth time of our second son and I discovered the Weston A. Price materials, and they were absolutely provocative. We had our um, mother-in-law on her way to um, Salt Lake City uh, from Taiwan, and you know she's a traditional, uh, cultured woman who is going to do what? Uh, she's going to make those oily chicken broth soups and um, give those to a nursing, to her nursing daughter. Uh, for healing and for nursing. And as I got reading about Weston A. Price, here was all of these traditional cultural ideas around the kinds of foods you, you give a woman, especially at the time of nursing. And they're all super high fat, uh, lots of broths, and the very opposite of vegan. And what, were, what are we going to do when she comes? Are we going to drop the veganism at that point? Are we going to drop vegetarianism at that point? Um, it was a good question. And so when I, this really provoked a new identity in me almost instantly. And I became what you might call Weston A. Price, traditional kind of, um, advocate eater at that point. And it was really another overnight thing. So as you can guess, my character, I can do things pretty quick and jump into them quickly. So here we are now with this brand new philosophy, rejecting the, um, well, soybeans and rejecting, you know, all these things we had just been doing for this period of time. Going now into the next phase, um, it was a cleansing phase. So, I, you know, I'd done a bunch of stuff this way, but I'd never actually juiced in my whole life. I've done a little bit of fasting, like once a week in, or so, but I'd never actually really um, done a proper cleanse, as you might call it. And so I ran into the Arise and Shine cleanse at about 28, 29 years old. 
and decided to um, jump in and try it. And the Arisen Shine Cleanse is essentially a bunch of herbs, one, and at the same time, um, a bentonite clay type um, drink with psyllium powder that you drink. And so this was a four-week cleanse that it finished with a fast that was between five and seven days. So the wonderful thing about that Rise and Shine cleanse was when you do something for four weeks, as you know, you start to build a habit. And I really learned a lot through that immersion process of the ideas of alkaline foods um, versus acidic foods, going without grains of all sorts, and going without starches. And um, guess what? I lost, um, well, probably 30 pounds. And that was scary for me and for a lot of people. They were really worried about me. Um, I it took a lot of discipline. It was um, up and down. You know, we had all kinds of crazy things like um, enemas and, you know, a lot of emotions going on. And, you know, it was, it was definitely an initiation into a different world. And I, I recommend cleanses. This is a wild, intense cleanse that's extremely difficult to pull off. Uh, with you know some interesting results as uh, in this case, so once I d did that, um, you know at some point I started to move back towards normality at some point, but um, it had given me some interesting experiences, such that for the next few years I've dabbled with different variations of, of this cleanse, and probably done it now one form or another of cleanse, and I was about 29, 30 years old. So I've done done one just about every year or every two years of some sort. Um, so, you know, just a little bit of background on that. So when I move now to what I'll call my, my, new, my new phase of experimentation, uh, about two years back, I discovered running again, which was very exciting. I... Um, had a pair of Vibram Five Fingers, which I'd received as a gift, and was in Atlanta for a conference and was feeling stressed and felt like I wanted to run to kind of relieve some stress. And I looked around, and all I had were my Five Fingers. So I decided, well, why don't I just try running in those? And wow, I ran in those, especially on the kind of softer ground on the park, and it felt amazing. And I mentioned with Micah Kagi on that interview that when I was in fifth and sixth grade, I became a huge competitive runner. I won many competitions in my, in my age group at that point, including half marathon, and burned out pretty quick at that point. Did a little running in high school, but it really was um, this, this um, reawakening in running. And so, of course, you know, people talked to me when I got back from this trip. Oh, have you heard of Born to Run and the whole barefoot mo running movement? And I hadn't. And so caught that book. And wow, here's this idea of, um, you know, minimalist trail running. So my girlfriend and I ended up trying it and fell in love with getting onto the trails that we love to hike already, but starting to run them. So that convergence of the running... And then also a good friend got me into biking at the time and then backcountry skiing shortly afterwards. Got me really excited about getting on the trails again 
and then discovering this whole culture, uh, especially here in Utah, around trail runners, fantastic people who get out, get up, get up early, and go out and hit peaks. And it really is a, a great, fun culture. So, uh, putting that into the mix of some of the other stuff that I was reading at the time, uh, the paleo, and essentially a diet that's grain free and starch free to a large degree. And we'll get into gaps more uh, just in, in a moment here. But um, that that was that yet another experiment. And between that and doing some cleansing, I lost that belly and I lost 10, 15 pounds of the slothy, lazy approach uh, to eating that I, had, that I had given myself, including, you know, going into sodas and pizzas and all of that kind of kind of lifestyle, which is really common to do. So I am now, I feel like the best shape of my life and um, I'm back into running and not too competitive. Uh, I ran a race last year and had a lot of fun running that race, but I just love, I love the activity of running and I've put it into the mix um, with everything else I'm doing. So essentially um, just a little bit on current situation. So just a few weeks ago, I actually ran into a candida outbreak. Uh, my girlfriend and I both experienced it in different ways. I noticed her tongue having a lot of white coating after um, going to the dentist and taking antibiotics. And then I got uh, my own sense, my own outbreaks on my skin. And so that's when I got curious about the candida, anti-candida diet. And then remembered it was actually the GAPS diet that Leah uh, had first mentioned to me in another podcast we mentioned. And the GAPS diet has been extremely provocative for me. I've been really enjoying this book. In fact, maybe my favorite nutrition book in a really long time. And so I've been dabbling with a variation of, of a GAPS-style diet, essentially eliminating all grains and starches and sugars. Fundamentally, that's, that's the main expression that I've been doing and then allowing a lot of these bone broths, um, you know, cooking, making bone broths, making soups uh, from, from meats and bones, and with a lot of cooked vegetables and a lot of um, the sour uh, vegetables, uh, preserved vegetables like um, sauerkraut, pickles, kimchi, things of that sort. And that's gone really, really well. And the combination of that with... Um, the right kind of supplementation for probiotics, um, taking some HCL pepsin at, in the evening with with meals, and um, drinking cider vinegar has um, cider vinegar drinks uh, has pretty much knocked out what we had uh, both of us. Uh, we and a few other things we're doing include uh, colloidal silver and things of that sort. So you can probably guess. You know, I like to be my own doctor. I actually pride myself on the idea of taking full ownership in health and nutrition. And um, so, you know, this kind of gives you a, a rundown of the kinds of experiments I've done around um, food and nutrition. So last year, it was around uh, late April, early May, when um, I was in another one of those experiments where I wasn't doing much with um, sugars, starches, and things of that sort as well. But I was just feeling really down. Like It just was really surprising to me because I get out on the trails, I run, I'm in the sunshine, skiing all the time, 
why, you know, wasn't I as, as sparky as I wanted to be? And, you know, there's lots of reasons that could happen. But um, I knew, knew about Kayani and decided to reorder Kayani and just, just experiment to see what would happen. And it, well, it took a two or three days and I had completely forgotten about the issue that, that I had had previous to that. And I just had my best friend over and we were doing a kind of um, brainstorm experiment around what could be the causes for this, you know, and what psychological issues are going on, unprocessed stuff. And, um, you know, he had some ideas and I said, well, I'm going to try this. It's going to be part of what I do. So it's really exciting to, to share, you know, the next week that it, that it actually really was working. And, and these were the, this was the kind of triangle of health. And at that point, I decided, you know what, I'm going to start to make some introductions uh, to this, um, this series of products uh, to people that trust me and that, I, that you know, also care about health and nutrition and see what it does for them. And we'll talk more about what it's done for them. But um, that began my journey in making it a point to introduce Kayani as a, a part of a, a healthy protocol. So um, just to kind of finish up on some, some thoughts here in this, this theme of, of experimentation over the last few years, I guess number one is um, I definitely believe that um, a healthy traditional diet is the, the best choice. We have cheapened out on everything. When I think back um, to, you know, lots of these little discoveries with wheat and the author of The Wheat Belly um, and with oils and Sally Fallon from Weston A. Price and her presentation on the oiling of America, these were profound awakenings for me because when you start to see what happens when we change the nature of what the, the foods we put in our bodies profoundly. When we move from animal fats and cooking with animal fats like lard and butter and we move into vegetable-based oils for our cooking, it made a profound change in, in our health. And Sally Fallon is, it's controversial quickly, but essentially she, she, have, she says there was very little, if, if any, heart disease prior to the um, the introduction of of these oils into the American the American diet, um, and she goes into that in the Oil of America, which I recommend, um, and also you know the changing of the grains, which is mentioned in the wheat belly, is is a is a very provocative idea that the grains were not genetically engineered but um, modified in enough ways that that what we see in, as modern wheat is profoundly different from the past wheat. Also, the wheat belly advocates that, you know, it's really rare and it's only almost as a backup that we would consider wheat or grains generally to be principal in, in our food. And it makes me think about Chinese society where there is so much rice um, and it really is a, a grain of the masses. Um, if that even has affected over the generations the the skeletal structure of of Chinese, which tends to be quite thin, and these are just you know I, thoughts and ideas, but the main thing is if if you really want to get back to the foundations, Weston A. Price, the dentist who spent these years going around to different different civilizations or um, tribal societies and looking at them, 
he came to the conclusion that when he was looking, you know, what's the issues around teeth um, and, you know, dental caries, that he didn't expect to become a nutritionist, but that's what he became. He realized that it's fundamental nutrition in, in our um, oral health and our physical health. And that's why his book um, includes the title Physical Degeneration in it, specifically because he sees there is a physical degeneration that's happening in modern man and those eating modern diets. So just to kind of give to, a plug to some of the ideas that um, I'd say you need to run with if you haven't already. Um, number one is when it comes to water, you've got to have pure, clean water and certainly cannot have fluoride in it or the glyphosates, which um, are coming from the Roundup um, weed killer for Monsanto. You need to go out and get purified, clean water, number one. And, um, and also, you know, in that, in that regard, avoid fluoride <laughs> in all of its forms. Um, I won't go into too much beyond that, but I'm just going to say you, you got to avoid it. And when it comes to fats, you want to have the, the more fats are fine. Cholesterol is fine. Um, eat as many eggs as you want. <laughs> And um, avoid vegetable oils and avoid cooking with vegetable oils. Um, most of the cholesterol response in our bodies is actually a response, 80% plus is actually a response to the um, processed carbohydrates going into our system. So, you know, all, all that stuff you heard about eggs over the years, you can, you can completely ignore it. And I was victim of that too, as my parents were growing up. And even to this day, it's crazy how many people are not using butter. And, you know, butter in the GAP system is considered gold and priceless in its, its nutrition. And, and that goes for eating organ meats like liver, uh, making bone broths. You know, all of these things are, are profoundly important in, in real nutrition. So all of the issues we're having with, with gut health and uh, the leaky gut, and other kinds of digestive disorders, go ahead, go and read the GAPS diet. It is a profound, provocative document that um, should really get you thinking um, about how you can rebuild your gut lining and get yourself back on track in your health. I think pretty much very high percentage of the population right now is suffering from gut health issues, and essentially it's a combination of the... Um, water, which is not only dead, but actually killing gut bacteria, uh, the antibiotics in, in our meat system, as well as antibiotics we're taking, is also killing the gut flora. And then we're not getting replacement of that because we're not eating healthy uh, probiotics in the form of kombucha and, and other forms of living, um, you know, live yogurt and other kinds of probiotic foods. So, you know, we need to bring that all back and come, come to a restoration as a, as a population around these issues. Things like salt. Uh, the um, Salt needs to be in its complex form for our body to be able to utilize it. And when you, when you put salt in sodium chloride format, which is basically used to produce um, industrial applications, but then as sold as table salt, our body goes into shock and a lot of the issues with gallbladder stones 
are directly related to to our body needing to isolate the, the salt coming into our bodies. So you know, there's just so many fun ideas that that come down to stop cheapening on your body. Okay, so you know you've got to have real salts. You got to have stop using the sugars and use honey as your sweetener. Stop with cheap oils and use you know good healthy animal fats and healthy oils like coconut oil and olive oil on and on so you know really foundationally here I'm just getting at um, how important it is to to give our body the right nutrition and when you go to low grain or no grain as well as low starch you're not going to have the candida problems and you're going to rebuild your gut and you're going to give yourself the right nutrition and you're going to feel a lot better. So that's my personal philosophy. And as you can see, it's been a huge process from dabbling with with um, such crazy things as fruititarianism way back in, in high school. But I feel like I've never felt better in my whole life. My athletics are in, in high, are, you know, high expression again. And between that and utilizing Kayani, which is, is really giving me a, a whole bunch of antioxidant um, and um, and omega-3s to support my body as well as a lot of other stuff. Um, it's made a huge difference and I, I genuinely feel like I'm in my best state of mind, being, health, and expression in my whole life. So i uh, really grateful for this path and this, um, this process of experimentation and curiosity that has led me to where I am today. So with that being said, I hope that gives you a quick uh, in, insight into my life and who I am um, when it comes to health and nutrition. Christopher Stazer with Vital Revival.